Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. Hey, Alex, what's up? Well, Amy, you may have noticed we have a new intro song. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. This, oh my goodness, this is our new music um, for our podcast forever. Let's rewind. How did we even get to having this beautiful sound at the beginning of the podcast? Right? Oh, it's just, it's been a journey is what it has been. (laughs) (laughs) A small town journey. Yes. So Amy and I on our spring break, we had a challenge and we challenged each other to do a bunch of podcast related things like hang a sign up in a different town and get someone, um, a stranger to follow us on Instagram. And we ran to call it adventure card. Yes. Podcast adventure card. Mm -hmm. And we met Daryl or as we love to call him, DJ DJ Dubs. And he's from Three Hills. Uh, Amy, do you want to, because you're the one who met him. Yeah. So we had toured through a couple small towns already. And I just want to point out, I was crushing the adventure card. It was like, it was like a three by four and yeah, just killing it on there. And we pop in and we were kind of like, I don't know Three Hills that much. So we're kind of like looking down Main Street, what would be good to put a poster up? And we come across this coffee shop and pop in there. And Alex went straight for the bathroom. And I was like, I'm going to get an iced coffee with oat milk. And I was just talking with the cashier saying like, hey, can we stick this in the window? And he was like, oh, what is this? And I was like, we have a podcast. It's called Small Towns, Not Small Minds. Just started chatting with him. And then lo and behold, he like, you know what? Like, I actually have a website that, and just, it went on and on. And, and so Mm -hmm. we made like a connection and he was like, yeah, I'd absolutely love to like check out your podcast and hundred percent will stick up this poster here. And so it was wicked. And And then uh, it was, we left, we left the little bird cafe. I wanted to say the name. It was cute. Yes. And so then he followed us on Instagram and we're driving to our next little small town. And so started just like creeping him, you know, as you do like, Oh, we got a new follower. Turns out this guy makes like crazy good music and it's on Spotify. So he's on Spotify under Moons Over Mars. And also he makes music with his childhood friend and neighbor under the name Perlu. And so we were like, oh, this, this, this music, we listened to it all weekend. Like it was so good. It was amazing to hike to. It was amazing. Like kind of captured our holiday. Yeah. And so we reached out to him and asked like, do you mind mixing some music for our podcast? And long story short, he made this musical masterpiece, took all of our, remember our notes, Amy and I were like voice noting him so much. We're like, we want like a vibe of like uh, introspection with like other world. Yeah. Critical thinking with a little bit of fun. Yeah. And I was like, I really like the bird sounds of your music. So yeah, he, oh my gosh, did he deliver or what? Yes, he did. Yeah. So we're really excited. So look him up. Um, His handle, Alex, is? Moons over Mars. Okay. Him personally, I don't know if he wants us like blasting his social media. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you find Moons over Mars, you can follow the same wormhole I did and uh, probably follow him on everything, including Spotify. Uh, (laughs) There's lots to learn. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're so excited to have the music and we hope you enjoy it too and i hope you can pick up the little bird sounds at the end love it (laughs) all right welcome everyone we're so excited today we have our guest dana smith she's a creative soul that lives in wainwright she's a mother a wife and a small town business owner as someone who's worn a lot of hats in her life we have Dana on today to help us navigate a conversation around identity and how to remain authentic while being part of so many different roles. Welcome, Dana. We're so glad to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't help but think in that intro, Dana, I feel like I've had a lot of family members on here and we share the last name. So I just want to, for all our, our listeners, Dana and I are not related, although <laughs> I did have the pleasure of meeting her on a weekend getaway to Wainwright and check out the store and her lovely decor, awesome store. If you're ever in Wainwright on Main Street, you need to check out Danes and Dobney. We've mentioned it before as recommendations on the show. Really cool store. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, it's actually kind of funny. It's almost like you really, really do know me because my Instagram actually says that I'm a small town girl with big city dreams, um, <laughs> that I'm a beaming wife and a mother to two growing young men and a woman in business. So you kind of nailed it. Every little aspect. We didn't Perfect. even read your Instagram bio. Yeah. <laughs> didn't need to. <laughs> yeah. What's the most small town thing about you? So growing up in a small town, um, we actually only had one set of streetlights for pretty much my entire life. Um, And then more recently, I have to share that my teenage son came home from school and he had had my grade nine language teacher as his sub. And she went on to explain that she'd also taught my husband and my older son. Wow. (laughs) That's like really true to small towns because even as a teacher in the same school district I've taught so many siblings like back to back and know their parents so like that is really not a far stretch would you agree Alex yes and the other thing I hear often is teachers say like they're like well I taught so-and-so's mom now I know it's time to retire that's like (laughs) that phrase I hear a lot yeah (laughs) our girl doctor here in town um she's actually on like second almost third generation babies wow oh that's really cool (laughs) I have heard of one teacher teaching four generations that's pretty amazing is there an award yeah no there are no (laughs) awards (laughs) wow yeah that's a pretty small town thing I was gonna say I've been caught a couple times recently for wearing a Canadian tuxedo and for those people who don't know it's a jean on jean look head to toe I love it. I, since being back, I always, am like, let me embrace my cowboy flair side of things when I'm in Alberta. And I love rocking a jean on jean look. (laughs) Alex, what about you? I was saying that I know people by their vehicles. So if I'm driving, I know what all my friends drive and what vehicles I need to wave at. (laughs) That is, uh, yeah, that's so true. And Alex, don't you drive the same vehicle as your mom? look at Dana she knows she knows yeah, it's I a real do. thing <laughs> yes. I think it's such a small town thing knowing vehicles well let's kind of talk a little bit about identity and um Dana you were saying before that you you've worn a lot of hats and and switched kind of careers a lot can you tell us a little bit about the different career options and ideas you have yeah so I uh I think that 
I'm kind of one of those prime examples of that statistic where they say that you'll change your career path like five times in your lifetime and not just change your job necessarily, but like full on paths. So I started out in broadcast journalism and then I went into early childhood and then I was in social services. And um, now here I am running my own boutique on Main Street Wainwright in just a few. Yeah, well, it feels like short years, but it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) And like, how did you even come like what kind of helped navigate you through all those different avenues? You obviously, I think we talked about that you were in Alex's grade three class before as an EA and then like transitioned out of that. Like, how do you, how did you find that footing to move on to the next thing? I really think that everything in my life leading up to this was all meant for a reason. I think everything happens for a reason. And I think all of those experiences have led me to be where I am today. I I do kind of believe in fate. I was working kind of a a challenging job I was an enforcement officer and that nobody likes being pulled (laughs) over by the cops nobody likes having the enforcement inspector come and um, it was a very thankless job and I I didn't you know I didn't really enjoy having to lay down the law so I was struggling with that one day and I was driving down the street on my way to work it was going to be a really long day um, because the program that I was going to visit didn't open till the afternoon and so it's going to be a lot of overtime that day and I had some young kids at home and as I was driving down the street I had to stop the real estate agent was taking a picture of this business and was putting it up for sale and it was just like the light went on that um, this was an opportunity that I just needed to pursue I think that yeah all those other things that I've done over time make me better in this role and I think just trust, trusting the process. I'm really, really, um, I love change and I just, yeah, I thrive on change actually. Yeah. Jumping in with both feet. I think it is really hard for some people because I think we're often, you know, given this narrative, like go to school. Um, and then like some people are like, I don't really necessarily want to go to school. So then they like spin their gears that way. Or it's like, okay, after this certain point, get a job. Okay. Well like get, save up a bunch of money and buy a house. And I think it's really hard for people to be like, is that really for me? I don't know, to both of you, like, what kind of obstacles have you had in your way of finding your footing to discover, you know, is this really what I'm meant to be doing? I mean, as Dana says, she thrives on change. I thrive on not change. (laughs) Alex thrives on routine. I love routine (laughs) and stability. (laughs) But I also kind of have this fire inside me that that has always said, like, like, the norm is not for you. And not like, but then I look at my life, and I'm like, Oh, I went to university, I got a job. And I have a house like, so what does that even mean? But I think outside of it is that I, I need those stable things in my life. So then outside of it, I can really thrive. So outside of work, I'm writing a novel, I started a podcast, I'm learning a new language. So I like a stable part of my life. So then I can kind of branch out creatively beyond it. Mm -hmm. What about for you, Dana? Like, would you say like, you felt a lot of pressure to kind of follow maybe this narrative that society has built for us? Yeah, I would say I... I did the traditional, like went off to university and, um, you know, did my post-secondary, you know, jumped into a job right afterwards. But I think I've always 
a little bit treaded or, you know, taken my own path. So I had my children really young. Um, I had my, I got married when I was 20. I had my first son when I was 21. And I just always knew that I wasn't going to be just someone's mom. And, and don't take that the wrong way. I don't think that that's, you know, there's some people that do want to be just someone's mom. And likewise for my kids, actually, I don't want anyone to just say, oh, you're so-and-so's kid. I want my kids to be known by name and for themselves. I want to be known by name and for, for myself. So I've always just kind of not, not rebelling against the pressures, I guess. I, I do like to, you know, do the traditional things, but I'm not afraid to walk my own path. And it sounds like it too, especially with your exposure to like, trying different avenues of things. And like, even now being a successful business owner. As someone who's not a mother, but wants to be, that's a, kind of a thing that I think of a lot is, okay, I'm, I have a really good sense of self right now. And I love everything that is mine. How to separate the identity of like mother from me. Was, was that a struggle for a while or did it kind of come naturally to be? Well, it definitely can be a struggle. I was blessed with a, a baby face, so <laughs> baby face, chubby cheeks and goofy smile. And so I had gone off to um, take my early childhood and then I came to work and um, with no children of my own, and I found it really hard for people to take me seriously. Yeah, it was, it was hard to find acceptance a little bit, like until you've had kids and it's like this rite of passage that you couldn't possibly know. And, and um so having had that experience myself, I actually had the opportunity for several years to mentor a lot of summer students. And I was always amazed that the people do have intuition. I don't really think that you necessarily have to have kids in order to know how to work with kids. I think that there's just God-given talents that people have. And um, so, yeah, so I have that baby face and, and I'm struggling a little bit with um, trying to, you know, get people to take me seriously and maybe just that extra drive to prove myself mm -hmm. kind of lights a fire under you. Mm -hmm. I, I found that personally um, when I first started working too, like I was 22 teaching and you're talking to parents about their children that yeah. are older than you. And I don't have kids myself. So I always had kind of a chip on my shoulder with my age. Cause I did feel like I, I do know what I'm talking about and like, yeah, I'm human and make mistakes, but like I, I am teaching for a reason. I think, I think that is always tough when you're just starting out in any career. And like for some people who even get into leadership roles where they're quite young too, that's always a challenge because you have to really know what you value. And I think, I think for most people that comes over time and experience as well, what are you doing on a day to day to like live authentically? I'm really good at setting boundaries. And so I, and multitasking, actually, <laughs> um, I love to have 17 apps open in the background. My kids are constantly telling me how to shut them all down, or I have six browsers open on my laptop and um, we go quadding as a family on the weekends and I'm reading a book while we're quadding just so that I can make the most use of my time. Um, <laughs> so that definitely helps because life outside of COVID is generally pretty busy. You know, we're, we're running here, there and everywhere. So then when I do set those boundaries, you have to fully commit to the moment you're in. So when it is family time, you're full on in family time. And when you are 
um, like date night with my husband. And then it's mm-hmm. like, put the phone aside and be present in the moment. And um, it, it, almost taking that hat on and off and on again. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. Like, it is really tough, I think, also to continue to find your identity. Like one, one thing about being single is like, you know yourself really well, because you're in like, this full on relationship with yourself. And that's like, all you have to worry about all the time is you yourself. It's, it's kind of, at times it can be very self, I don't know, self evolving, selfish almost at times. That's like a really positive thing for being on your own. But I do think of people out there who are juggling, you know, careers and a household and a family, like parenting and then a marriage and, but I think everyone's juggling, like regardless in relationship or not, you're kind of juggling your own things anyway. Yeah. Like I'm not taking away from the things that, that we're doing, but it's, I think it's easier. It comes down to like time management too, though. Right. Like, do you, would you say, cause like, I think you can, you can split things up differently. Dana was saying, if it is date night, focus on that. If it is like focus your time instead of like having your brain running on all these things and all the time. Yeah. I don't know. It you, sounds you. easier than it is. I feel like, like yeah. you make it sound easy. I think it's, I think, I think raising families and like, as a teacher, I think I'm often like, I a hundred percent side with my, my parents because I'm like, you are living the busiest time of your life. I really think that because there's no breaks for them. They're they're It's just like, it's one of those jobs where it's like, you came home from your job and like still have a job. You can't leave. But you can't I, just like, be like, you're good. <laughs> I think the other thing that I really have to support me is that I have so much confidence in my team. And so over the years, like when I was working like in bureaucracy and everything was kind of pigeonholed, I could look, um, I took this amazing leadership program and it was talking about like empowering others and having this shared vision and really almost exploiting, but in a good way, people for their talents. And I thought if I ever had the means to do so, like if I was in the driver's seat, I would make sure that everybody was exploited for their talents. And I actually had the opportunity to do that. So here at the store, I have staff that like really excel in certain areas. They may have weaknesses in others and I can use them how that is best suited. And obviously there's days where, you know, chaos ensues or Christmas season is a little bit busy, but as a general rule, um, I'm able to really make use of their talents and I have so much trust in them. And, and that doesn't come like instantly. It's not like day two, we after opening up, but after several years here now, I know that I can walk away for a day and wear that hat of mom or wife or family member, and they will handle the store just like I would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and you were talking to us earlier, Dana, about how sometimes like you become the figurehead of Danes and Dobney and how you said customers might like only want you for something. And when Dana told me that, I was like, oh no, that like I might be one of those people because when I go to Wainwright and if I walk in and it's not Dana, I'm like, oh shoot, I was hoping to see Dana today instead of doing like, okay, you know what? Like I can have trust in, in what Dana leaves behind too. <laughs> yes, and that comes with time too. Like I always say to the girls, it's so sad because they work one-on-one with me generally. Like there's not six of us here at any given time. So I work with so-and-so on one day and so-and-so on the next day but I just want them to be able to work together because they would love each other. Like I have (laughs) absolutely handpicked my team for people that I 
adore and trust. And uh, over time with customers, I hope that they develop that same confidence because, yeah, I can't be here all the time if I'm going to take that hat off and put on a different one. But know that everybody's in good hands when I'm gone. Um, earlier, we were talking too, and you said a really interesting thing about how um, like forming our own identity may not always come from like an original thought. Can you elaborate on that? Because I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. So there's actually this theory that there isn't really any new ideas. There's no new discoveries to be had that most discoveries have already been made. And um, that because of this age we live in and all of the sharing through social media and internet and television and you might think you have an original thought or you've come up with something um created something but you've actually been exposed to it somewhere along the way and it might be subliminal you might not even have a recollection of it and actually mark twain actually made made quite a few comments about that how like there's no new ideas they're just reimagined and recreated and so i think when it comes to the store I have my own sense of style and I know what I like. I definitely, I'm not indecisive. I'm very like on the spot, spur of the moment, um, decisive about all aspects of my life. I jump in with both feet and and worry about the consequences later. (laughs) But um, I think that, yeah, my my style or, or what you see reflected in the store is owed and indebted to so many people, the people that have come before me and inspired me and the world around me and you know, those, those people that are really leading the way in, in interior design and decorating right now, they serve as an inspiration to all of us. Mm-hmm. I, like, so when you had said that, honestly, I felt a bit of like a relief in the sense that kind of like a mantra I've lived by is I want to be someone who creates something meaningful. In my head, sometimes I'm like, I want to like leave that mark that maybe transcends time and like something new and novel and and it can, I can get in on myself where I'm like, oh, like you've got to write this book because you have to leave your mark. And how you say like there's no new ideas, it's just reimagined. I feel like that takes pressure off for me because it's like, okay, you know what? You don't have to like make all of these brand new ideas. You just have to like take the inspiration and, and make it work like within your means. And it kind of, it kind of, I find it makes me want to seek more hearing that kind of theory because I think about, how many things that we're exposed to and how there's still so much out there to see and do and experience because it makes you like refreshed and you can recreate it how you interpret it as well. It's like contemporary art. People always ask me right now because obviously I was abroad for two years and I just came home and they were like, does it feel kind of like the same, same? And I was like, honestly, no. Because I'm coming back with a different set of eyes and your exposure is just so different to new things that like I see the whole lens differently now, even being back in the same environment, um, same role, same job, same school. It's different, actually. Like, I think I think challenging yourself all the time. It's not different. You're different. I'm different. Yeah, <laughs> actually. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Yes. So I think, I think you hit it right on the head. I think that there's like all these ideas and it's a little bit about how you put it into focus. Like you put it into focus for you or you put it into focus for other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it cuts out the overwhelming part of it. So I think it's super cool. We kind of did talk about that. Alex has known you pretty much just growing up from the community and the connection that you guys have had through the store, through the community, through different works, we just never really know the impact we're going to have on each other. And for Alex, 
obviously you've been a role model for her and inspiration for her as well. And it's so neat for her to be in a position now to connect with you on a different level. Yeah, thanks for speaking for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually really interesting for me to watch. Well, because... though, well, it's interesting too, because when we talked about, okay, we need people from small towns to be guests on our show. And immediately I was like, we need Dana. She will be perfect for this. <laughs> um, and then Amy's like, like, tell me more about her. And I feel like, I feel like I don't know you deeply, Dana, but like, I think we're getting to know each other more because I know um, your Instagram bio, obviously, <laughs> um, you know, you know, like what I've, what I've seen of you, but I didn't know you did correct. We was a correction officer. And like, my mom was like, oh, you're interviewing Dana. She wants to write a book. So I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much about Dana. I don't know. So it's neat because obviously Alex's relationship with you was a lot more surface level, but throughout this time, we've been able to talk to you and have bigger conversations. And it's exactly what we were saying, like in our small communities, it's the connections and it's the individuals that are really making a difference in all these communities. I think like you're one of those leaders in your community and, you know, it's, it's good to, to like maybe not expose everyone to your life all the time, but you just don't realize how much your own connection, your own, inspiration your own vision and motivation what it's going to do to other people around you yeah and I think I'm so lucky that I have this story for that I didn't really realize it's kind of like they say you share a lot of your secrets with your hairdresser because they're in close contact (laughs) and proximity with you and the store gets to be that vehicle for me so often and I never saw that coming I kind of thought like it was and, and it is a lot of times it's a surface level conversation about the weather like 15 times a day <laughs> um, <laughs> to like to no end but especially right now Alberta weather's all oh, yeah. hot crazy is, what else are we going to talk about yeah <laughs> it is hot topic um, <laughs> yeah but I get to have some amazingly profound conversations with people in the store and like it just blows my mind when you can have those one-on-ones and sometimes you're just a sounding board and I remember I early on I had this one customer and she would come after work to like decompress so she'd have a hard day and she would just wander around the store and I didn't even know she was using the store for that for ages until she finally admitted she just liked to come the smells the warmth everything was just it was just what she needed before she went home and took off that hat and put on a different hat and made supper Mm -hmm. for her husband and carried on with her day And I remember on like a super cold wintry day, she comes flying in the door and was going to do her rounds. And um, she asked if she could take her shoes off. (laughs) I thought it was the oddest request. Like, okay, we are really getting personal now. Like (laughs) store, why are you taking your shoes off? But her heel had broken. And so she Uh... still still wanted to make the stop, but she didn't want to hobble around the store on a broken heel. So she took her boots off and that day she walked around the store barefoot (laughs) and enjoyed it. And I think the other um, connection that I've made time and time again, and it's, it's, it's a gift to me more than it is to anybody else is that, like I said, I was a young wife and a young mom and I was trying to make a home for myself and I was trying to um, make it inviting and make it classy and a place that we could entertain and have friends over. I would go into shops and and different stores and I would feel so intimidated and just overwhelmed. Like how on earth am I ever going to execute something like that? And I was a very, another little side note, if you ever taken true colors, um, the personality testing Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. I am extremely gold. I am like alphabetize my CDs and organize my clothes by color and season. And so I have a lot of like obsessive tendencies 
and actually creativity was my lowest. I, I was not at all orange or creative. And so I didn't see that as a weakness, but I saw that as a place, an opportunity for growth. So part of the reason for having this store is just trying to like build up that creativity and that spontaneity. And so I'm in my 20s and I'm trying to set up this home. I'm overwhelmed. And I thought if I ever had the opportunity and I had a store, I would just love to empower people like that. We'll have um, some young moms or some new wives or um, people just starting their homes for the first time come in. And I just love to encourage them and play around with the items in the store and put things together. And if they go home and take full credit for it, that is fine by me. I'm just happy that they're feeling inspired and that they're taking a chance and getting their feet wet a little bit in interior decorating and watching them grow as they renovate their kitchens and Stetler and they do different kinds of Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see what she did there yeah <laughs> Good one. Um, but that is so true like your space being a reflection and for that one customer that you were talking like that came as like a calming mechanism to end her day it's like your space was that space for her I was thinking like okay what does Danes and Dom mean to me and it's such a connector for my mom and I when I go home no matter what, when I'm in Wayne, right, we make a stop in Dades and Dobney. Like, not all of Main Street. It'll be like, mom's like, want to come with me for groceries? Yeah. Are we going to Dane's? <laughs> we make that stop always and shop. It's like a ritual. Like, it is. Yeah. It is. So we have the same Jeep. We, uh, yeah. and we drive our Jeeps up. They do a Jeep parade for the store. <laughs> My home itself is a really big reflection of me. Like, I feel like people walk in and they mm-hmm. say like, oh, this seems like you. And part of it is from Danes, right? Yeah. Which I think is, that's really cool. That is. I think, like, honestly, like, not being involved in this relationship through, I'm, like, the, like, outsider looking at it. It is really neat to see this connection because, like I said, I think Alex, when I walked into the store, was more concerned about, like, watching me walk around. I think she was like, is Amy going to have the same impact? (laughs) that this has had on me. I mean, I bought a few things. I got my, I got my purse tassel. I got my scrunchies. <laughs> like it is. And I think, I think when it comes from your hometown, it's really neat to, to see because it's like, it becomes a ritual or it becomes a tradition, but also there's something, whether it's the individual mm-hmm. or whether it's the store itself that keeps drawing you back. I think yeah. it's a good representation of like small town businesses it and, is and, and how you, powerful and impactful like, really, like I feel a lot of pride that it's in like my hometown that's such an honor we just always ask our kind of like closing question of like is there anything you want to leave our listeners with um in terms of like if they're struggling with I- identity or creativity or struggling with something in their lives what what would you say to them take chances take the risks they're not always going to pay off but you honestly would never know if you didn't try. And so I like to watch for the little signs and um, maybe not, you know, put all your faith in them, but let them be encouraging and put yourself out there. I like that. Me too. Yeah. I just It's time for Jar of Questions. Can I give you the Jar of Question questions? Yeah. Dude. Okay. This is so great. Yeah, Our well... Jar of Questions is running low. So this is perfect. <laughs> okay. So if you could start one thing completely over, what would that be? Good question, Dana. I think if I could redo or relive something all over again, I would definitely redo my 20s. Now that I'm in my 30s, I would say, you know, just I've really learned to block out other people's voices and opinions and ideas so that I can live the way 
I believe that I should fully. So I think, I think that that comes with time, but if I could do it again, I would do it again and do that. Exactly. So that's a really good question. What Are would you, you saying that you don't want to hear my opinion, Amy? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, in my twenties, I'd be like, shh, shh. Yeah, kind of, because I think, I think they weighed too heavily, especially in like my early twenties, even in my mid twenties, I still very much listen to the voices and noises of my siblings and my parents and the friends around me. And now I'm look back and I'm like, what good did that do me? I, I just feel like it did. It kind of hindered what I really was meant to do, to be honest, do and be. I guess my answer is a little different. I think <laughs> that um, we were talking about the movie Booksmart in our recommended um, episode, and that was pretty much my life. Like, I didn't party. Nerd alert. No, Amy. <laughs> no, it was though. I like, I like I focused so much on my studies, and I would like stress myself out, especially in high school. Like, like I would break out in in like hives, and like I'd get cold sores and stuff from stress, and um my mom made me go to my first and only high school party with alcohol. Like she made me go. <laughs> uh, my first year of university, I didn't even have alcohol, even though I was 18. Like I was, I was in my second year before I drank my first drink. Um, and I look back and I, I was just so scared. And I wish I just like loosened up a little bit. Not like, not like I wish I like partied all the time, but I wish I didn't just take school so seriously and let myself have fun outside of it. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting too, because maybe that's why you have so many brain cells, Alex. You didn't get <laughs> polluted and diluted with all the alcohol that everyone else graduated from university with. Oh my gosh. A degree I also in just drinking. like read a ton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I'm like, oh, like every to everyone, but that's good that, you know, now you can, now you can still live it, you know, when you're now I can live it up. <laughs> your best quarantine life 9 p.m bedtime (laughs) oh my gosh dana what would you do um i think like if you asked me on the spot my answer probably would have been something like um through through the covid times i would like to restart like my fitness journey or something like that because that was kind of tough to do last year but i think if i had the time to reflect on it and i did because i came up with the question um, (laughs) it's pretty cliche but it is so true i would totally do the time raising my boys over again because it just goes by so fast and um, I have this recording of them reading to my a book, an audio book for my grandma and you crack oh. it open and they're just their little baby voices. Oh. Like that, that was like a second. It felt like it went so fast. And so I just want to do like all those days over again. Not because I feel like I did anything wrong or I could do better. I just want to live them over again. Yeah, that's nice. That's a beautiful answer. I guess we'll turn it to our audience. If you could relive a time in your life. What time would you relive and why? 